Welcome everyone to our Sunday service. My name is Nayaswami Pranaba and this is Nayaswami Parvati. It's a joy to have you with us. I'd like to read to you from Rays of the One Light, which is a collection of commentaries on the Bible and Bhagavad Gita by Swami Kriyananda. Today's topic is Truth Invites, It Never Commands. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. Free will is a basic principle of life. God never coerces. He invites us to live in such a way that we find fulfillment in ourselves. If we refuse to live rightly, Paramahansa Yogananda taught, God simply says, I will wait. We have eternity to live. In that eternity, we live as we choose. In self-created darkness, a darkness as intense and as long-lasting as we choose. Or in the infinite light, the true self, which is God. Jesus Christ in the Beatitudes offered a beautiful example of God's way of inviting mankind to seek perfection, not by commanding, but by offering by offering as human children the incentive they need to choose the right of their own volition. Blessed are the poor in spirit, Jesus said, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. In each of the Beatitudes, Jesus explains the blessing attendant upon observing it. The divine way, similarly, for each of us is not to do violence to our own natures. Spirituality must be attained naturally. It can never be attained by force. The Bhagavad Gita says in the third chapter, Even the wise behave in accordance with nature as it is manifested in them. Of what avail, then, is suppression? The scripture then goes on, however, to explain that this doesn't mean we should surrender to the dictates of our lower nature. Rather, it emphasizes our need to aspire to the heights, but each of us in accordance with his own nature and not in imitation of anyone else's, offering ourselves up for purification by divine grace. Desire whatever form it takes, so the Bhagavad Gita explains, should be resisted if only mentally and repulsion to objects. Both of these are universally rooted. No one should accept their influence, for verily, they are man's enemies. Om, Om, Om. like to read from Whispers from Eternity. Demand not to be enslaved by the ego or by ego-centered passivity. I want to use my own will, but guided ever, Father, toward the golden paradise of all fulfillment. For I would be infinity's smiling child, confident of being imprisoned no longer, behind bars of fruitless desire and withered hopes. 
I would break the shameful cords of lethargy that have presumed to hold me and step fearlessly into freedom. Released, I now blaze my way through forests of every limitation and delusion. Oh, my little vain ego may strut proudly, saying, Behold my glory, worship me. But I will look through its transparent form and behold thine unimaginable beauty clothed in the subtle form of the whole universe. The silence-tuned hearing of my soul will ignore that tiny boasting masquerader, my little self impersonating thee, and will listen rapturously to the wind-borne, fragrant music of thine own matchless voice whispering across the ages, I am he. So the topic today, truth invites, it never commands, and how true that is. There's a story of a rabbi, a small village in Russia, Jewish, and a rabbi was coming to visit them. And all the people in that village were very expectant and very happy and looking forward to the visit of this rabbi. It had been quite a time. They had all their questions. They were thinking of what they would ask him and, and how they, when he would come. And finally the day came and he arrived. And he looked all of them, not many of them, it was a small village, but he looked each one of them in the eye. He didn't say anything. And then he just started to hum mm, a nice, exotic, beautiful tune. And they, not knowing what to think, started humming along with him because there was nothing else to do. And so they hummed with him. And then he started to sing. And he sang and they joined in with him and sang. And then he started to express his movements in the body and he started moving and then eventually and they started moving and then eventually he started dancing and this went on for an hour and they were all doing this together and then finally the dancing stopped and and the singing stopped and the humming stopped and and he then stopped And he looked at them and he said, I hope I have answered all your questions. (laughs) And you know, I was thinking, it kind of goes along with truth invites, because he was inviting them into his vibration. That's what he had to give them, his consciousness. Not all the little bits and pieces of questions that we can think up endlessly to ask, but really into that vibration and rhythm of truth. And I was thinking that really that's what Ananda is about. It's interesting. When people come here, inevitably, if they're brand new, they always want to know how decisions are made and how we, how we do housing. Those are the two biggies. Who makes decisions and how do you get a house? And how does all that work? And, and it's like, I was thinking in re because that story I've told before and read before, and I was thinking that it's like 
when people come here, all of us, and we've all gone through it, we have to start humming with everybody. (laughs) We have to start getting in the vibration. And it's why we say when people come here, well, why don't you just go into the karma yoga program for a while? You know, let's do a little service and hum together for a while, you know? But it's true because Ananda is about finding God. If you're not here to find God, you won't be here for very long. There's no reason to be here other than that. And that goes way beyond the mind, the intellectuality, all of the things that are normal in life. Excuse me. And really into the vibration that our soul is calling for, the vibration of Om, of, of spiritual depth and truth. But so we hum a little, and then we start to sing. And literally, here we can sing. We can join in music and be part of that. But we sing together as a whole community because we're not just a community. We're a community of disciples of a great avatar. And so the whole thing is about harmony, attunement, vibration, all of that. And so we start to sing together. And maybe you go out into the community. What does that look like? You go out into the community and you start working. And in all the Ananda communities, this happens. And then we start to really get into it. And we start to dance together. And we're really doing projects and things where we cooperate. You know, recently, in the beginning of the summer in June, Swami Kriyananda gave a talk at the Ford Theater. And there was a person who introduced him, Marianne Williamson. And she's always liked Ananda and known about Swami and really appreciated him and his spirituality. And she was meeting, I didn't meet her at that time, but she was meeting people backstage uh, before the, she went out and introduced Swami, which was one of the best introductions of him that I've ever heard. It was absolutely delightful and beautiful. But she at one point turned and said, why everybody that I've met with Ananda is kind and nice. Why is that? <laughs> and uh, and someone there said, "Well, we all we all really take our spirituality very seriously. We live together, we work together, and we really are trying to get rid of the ego." And she said, "Yes, I know all of that, but it's working." <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> you know. And for us, it's. It's that whole thing, that vibration, that attunement, that consciousness that we all work together in. Some of us are more in tune, some of us are less in tune, don't worry about that. But more, that's the model. And it's, it's disconcerting when people come and they're new to it. And they want to, they can feel it, but as she said, well, what are you doing, you know, that, that's working? What happens? And it really, what are we doing? We're living our lives. Very focused, not exclusively focused. And we're getting 
in harmony with each other. We're getting in tune with each other, every single person. It's not a group thing. Even though we work together, it's each person making love to God individually, taking that very seriously and always being aware, always, always trying to take that deeper, always trying to use the tools to go in a deeper and deeper way. And through that, we come to a level of harmony and a magnetism that can draw many other people into it in a wonderful way. People feel that when they come here. And so in that, with each of us, we're also, each of us has to continually be doing what the topic is today, inviting, looking for those invitations from truth. And that's very vital to our spiritual life. If we're not looking for those invitations that come to us and responding to them in a positive way, then we can't really grow spiritually very much, or it will take a very, very long time until we get to the point where we are wanting to respond to those. And so I just wanted to say a few words about just what does that look like? What does that feel like? I mean, we can talk about Master and one very sweet story, Yogananda. One very sweet story is uh, he and the Lewises and Norman driving and somebody else went from Los Angeles up to San Francisco in 1949. They were there to meet uh, the Prime Minister of India at that time, Jawaharlal Nehru. And they went to an event there. But they had driven all day, and they arrive, and the story is in, I think, The New Path, and, and they arrive at the hotel, and the Lewises, who have been with Yogananda for about 30 years at that point, um, are just exhausted, elderly, exhausted, very close disciples. But they get two rooms, and there's a connecting door, and when they go to sleep, they leave the door open, because that's what they do when they're traveling with Yogananda, and he's their guru. And so, but they're really happy to go to bed. And as it's said in the story, Mrs. Lewis especially so is, I'm going to sleep now. And so they, and Dr. Lewis is telling this story saying, and as you know, you know, Master doesn't really sleep. <laughs> and so, and so they all, supposedly all, lay down and, and the Lewises are just drifting off to sleep. And Earlier that evening, they had been to a Chinese restaurant. And so from the other room, they hear sub-gum. That's it. You know, and, and here you are. Just imagine, you know, you're just about there. Sub-gum. And it's like, oh no. You know. And then a while, and then sub-gum duff. And then a little more, and then super subgum duff. <laughs> and then the final, and at this point, Dr. Lewis, he knows it's all over, you know. And Mrs. Lewis, as, as Swami so very aptly writes, turns to the wall for help, <laughs> saying, we're not getting up. <laughs> but, and then the kick, the capper, super submarine subgum duff. 
<laughs> and then they just get up, they get up. And, and Dr. said, Dr. Lewis said, he said it was very sweet because they didn't have a lot of time in those days toward the end of Yogananda's life to spend time like that with him. And so he said they ended up talking the rest of the night and wonderful, you know, meditating and, and then resting a little bit after that. But that was an invitation from truth. Truth invites. Yogananda didn't march into their room and say, okay, now I don't sleep as you know, so why don't you come on in? And No, no, he did it as a very sweet invitation. Subgum. <laughs> and then I was thinking also about... In again from Yogananda's life, where you know, and again, you how do we all because we all represent various levels of truth as well, and we're always offering invitations. So, Yogananda, when he was back in India in the 1930s, was trying to rev up again the Ranchi school, and so they were having a, a big thing there. And as you know, the story uh, he went to invite this very prestigious judge. Uh, Bengali uh, Gurdas Banerjee to come and do the keynote address for the school. And um, he went and saw him and invited him very, again, truth invites. Very sweet, lovely invitation. Now Gurdas Banerjee had his own agenda, and he, 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 but he could feel the incredible uh, spiritual depth coming from Yogananda at that time. He tested him and had his reasons for doing that. He had to prove to himself that this was real. But then when he came, he said, when your Swami came to invite me to this event, I couldn't believe the good fortune that I had to feel his energy and consciousness. And so... Yogananda was always inviting in that way, with his energy, with his consciousness. And then I was thinking about my own life and coming to Ananda and kind of how did that play out for me? And I remember truth can invite you in personal ways, through a person, through circumstances, through many different things. And we need to be inwardly, we need to be aware and just listening always listening. But I remember one of the first invitations that I got from Master early on was uh, to read the autobiography. But I wasn't interested. I thought he looked kind of strange on the cover. Somebody just pointed it out to me and said, you ought to read that book. It's a good book, Autobiography of a Yogi. And I just thought, no, I don't think so. He looks kind of strange. And, you know, India, it's all emotional. And I didn't know anything. But then, but it took three years for me to look around and explore and three years and then I came back and I remember I was going to a meditation class and I was a lot more desperate and focused at this point because I realized that spirituality and something really serious was what I needed and so on the way to this meditation class um friend that I was with said, let's go to a bookstore. And I thought, you know, I don't think I can stand to go to another bookstore looking for spiritual support. (laughs) I want something real. You know, I want something I can do. So we walked into this bookstore and I thought, well, it'd be nice to have something. Biographies are always good. And I looked on the shelf and there was the autobiography. And I thought, well, it's big. It's inexpensive. Biographies are always good. So I bought it. 
Then I went to the class and the man who was teaching the class, I was very interested in meditation, well, he opened up his briefcase and it was full of autobiographies. And that was the way that I found out about Ananda was through that class and through that teacher. But anyway, so, you know, invitations come and go and if we're aware, we take them up. Uh, the invitation. But being here at Ananda, I remember I met Swami Kriyananda early on, and uh, it wasn't any big deal. Uh, I knew Sadhana Devi from San Jose State in 1968, and here she was here, three years later, living here. And so she introduced me to Swami, and, and he said, oh, hi. And he was talking to a big group of people. But what I found was that he was putting out a tremendous amount of energy, focus, spiritual magnetism, and therefore invitation constantly about what we were doing here. And so, although in the very beginning I didn't have a lot of like real personal contact with him, I certainly felt his invitation. And it was coming from truth. It was dynamic, it was joyful, it was focused, and anybody with a brain being here would pick up on it. And so I looked at it and I thought, he kept saying, you know, if you see things that need doing around here, do it. Go ahead, don't, don't wait. And so for me, I ended up starting the market. You know, there was no food here. <laughs> and so uh, I picked up on that and I just went ahead and did it. And as we were going along, there were more things like that that would happen, where if you were listening, those were all invitations coming from truth. Later on, they got a little more personal for me, where I had Swami ask me to do something. And I found over the years that every time I said yes, and I tried to always say yes, if I, if I could feel good about it, I had to feel good about it. I had to understand it. But every time I said yes, it was an incredible spiritual blessing. And so I got asked to go to San Francisco in 1981. We had a big house there. I was living in a bus in the woods with no electricity, no running water, no nothing. I had been there for nine years. And uh, all of a sudden, well, and how does truth invite how would you like to go to San Francisco and help down there? That's how it came. How would you like to? Because the second part of this reading this morning is very, very important. For each of us, we have to accept and go with the invitation from truth, understanding it and feeling good about it in ourselves. Not in the ego, but in the soul. I mean, in one way, when I got an invitation to go to San Francisco, I thought, are you out of your mind asking me to do that? I'd never done anything like that. I'd never taught. I'd never done Sunday services. Nothing. All of a sudden, whoosh. But on the other hand, I thought, but I'm being asked. So go ahead. You know, I was big on adventure then. And so I said, sure, I can do that. I had help. You know, Ram and Diana were there as well. But it was... It, I had to do it because I felt I could put my energy behind it. And so we can't just as a group find God, we can't as a group 
accept invitations from truth. It has to be that we each individually feel the blessing to do that. Even if it scares us to death, you know, or it's something that we feel, well, I'm not quite there yet. But if we feel good about it inwardly in a soul way, yeah, go ahead. And, and I thought also, what are the indications that it's coming from truth? But only some are coming from truth. Meaning that if we're all here to find God, then you want to accept the invitations that are going to help you do that. And not all of them will. So we have to be discriminating, we have to be aware and listening, and we have to know inwardly, we have to feel inwardly in the soul that this is a true invitation from truth. So how I've experienced that, I'll just say my own experience, that's all I have to offer you, is that it's open, it's expansive, it's joyful, it's light, and it's something that you feel you can enter into or not without consequences. In other words, without feeling, there's no guilt attached to it. There's no kind of a little kicker there. Well, if you don't do it, then mm-mm. No, nothing. Clean. Very clean energy offered cleanly. Because for each of us, we have to accept those invitations from truth in a way that will help us grow spiritually. If it's not doing that, there's no point in doing it. And so, just, it's, a, it's an interesting topic, and it's a very important uh, topic. I also remember a time when I, one of the few times, I said no. You know, Swami asked me to go to Sam, uh, Seattle very early on. We didn't have anything happening there. Some fellow had started some kind of an educational thing, and there was energy around that. And he said, so, how'd you like to go to Seattle? Alone. (laughs) And this was like, you know, I was part of the monastery at that time, and, you know, I had just come back from San Francisco, all of that. And so I'm thinking, I said, well, you know, if someone could go with me, another couple maybe. And he said, no, no. And so I I declined. And then I thought about it overnight, and I went back and I said, I'll go. I'll go. I'll do it. And he said, no, no, that's okay. (laughs) You know, I think, I don't know, maybe he was seeing if I was able to be that expansive at that point. It wasn't, I wasn't quite there yet. But I never felt any judgment from it. I never felt, oh, you've really disappointed me, or too bad you didn't do it, or any kind of things like that that are easily uh, conveyed, not necessarily in words, but in vibration. So as you go along on the spiritual path, and with Ananda, many of you here live here, and others are visiting, and others are considering living here, be aware, be clear, and always be asking inwardly, what should I do? What's my next step? And be open to that being something that's maybe very different than you've ever thought about before, but something that could 
expand your consciousness that would truly help you as an individual, no matter how unusual it looks to other people, you feel it's yours. I'll just say, I work for the Janaka Foundation. I've done that for eight years now. I was invited to do that, not by Swami Kriyananda, but by my Guru Bhais, group of people, the board there. Very unusual thing for me to do. I'd never done anything like it. Estate planning, you know, thinking about the future of Ananda, finances, uh, that kind of thing. But it was curious. Of course, I'm very much wanting to see Ananda go into the future. I know many people and have known them for a long time. And I know that if they knew we wanted that kind of gift, yeah, they'd want to do that and help Ananda go into the future. And so inwardly, I felt a blessing there. And I thought, well, that's strange, but I'll just go ahead and I'll pursue that. And so I've done it, and it's been fine. It's been a, it's been a blessing. Not easy, but a blessing. But for each of us, again, individually, and it also happened to come at a time when I was in that kind of a space to not be out doing stuff, but more here. So it was a match. But, uh, but look for things like that. It will come uh, maybe from a minister, maybe from a friend, maybe from circumstances, maybe from asking inwardly. But, but do be aware that truth will invite you. If you're sincere, if you want to grow, truth will invite you. And keep in mind what that feels like. Open, expansive, no little glitches attached, and something that will be a next step for you spiritually and will be yours. Each person here, and Swami said this to us many times in the beginning and over the years, every single person is unique and you can't be like the guy sitting next to you. Don't try. Just be yourself and allow that, that spirituality within you to unfold in a natural way. Don't let somebody else tell you what that should be. They may give you some hints or ideas, but you have to feel that. So know that and uh, explore that and have a lot of fun doing it.